If you're happy, you don't have to do anything, do you? You, you, know, you just are happy. But if you're unhappy or sad or bereaved or full of grief or full of worry, then you've got something active to do to try and work that out <laughs> and work to the 10%, you know, fight through the 90% to get to the 10% where the sun shines and where, where you feel great. Creating music is the 10%, isn't it? And, and the 90% is, is the subject matter <laughs> that writes the 10%. Hello and welcome again to Tapping the Flow. That was the voice of Rick Pilkington, one half of the wonderful Blackheart Orchestra, along with Chrissy Mostyn. Um, I have to say that they're absolutely hilarious. <laughs> we had such a great time chatting there. I've just listened back to it as I'm editing and I've been laughing my arse off all the way through it. So although there is a reference to darkness there, there's certainly overcoming of darkness will bring a lot of joy in people. Blackheart Orchestra are on the same publishing company as myself. They're family members of our publishing company, Wardlaw Music, and uh, I was absolutely delighted to be able to speak to them. Um, I've been a fan of them since I uh, discovered their music while searching for a publishing company, actually, and uh, they were one of the reasons that I signed up with Wardlaw Music, um, because they are brave and bold, and they take their music to somewhere very ethereal and beyond the mere scope of just singer-songwritering and playing guitar and stuff. Um, if you see them live, I, I just go and have a look at their videos. They are surrounded by instruments and they don't use loops and stuff like that, which is what I do. They actually literally just play them. I mean, Rick at some point will be playing the bass and the piano at the same time and singing and Chrissy's doing all sorts of stuff. She's sorting out the sound as well as doing all the uh, singing and playing guitars and keyboards and vintage synths and all that sort of stuff. Um, so listen, this is a hilarious chat, like I've said. Grab a cup of tea, sit down, have a good laugh and enjoy. And at the end of it, there will be a song that they recorded and sent me and uh, I will tag that on at the end and then round it all up. But uh, before we jump into the conversation, here is an absolutely beautiful track, Mysterious and uh, Otherworldly. It's a track called Wolves from their latest album, Mesmeranto. Uh, I hope you enjoy and uh, here we go. Tap in the flow. Yeah. 
So I, I never know how to start a podcast. It usually starts with someone going like, oh, how do I turn this on or turn that off? Because I don't like, it's not, the whole music industry has a whole way of presenting people as sort of like untouchable gods or goddesses or whatever. And our creativity is something far more powerful than that. And and I think the job of this podcast is to present creativity as an open source for everybody to sort of draw upon, especially now who are suffering. We need to know how to create, you know? Absolutely, yeah. totally. And I think that that's a really good introduction to the podcast, actually. Um, the thing that we aren't perfect, are we? You know, we've all been fumbling around this morning like, we can't get into the meeting and, you know, yeah. my headphones aren't working. You know, it's not it's not smooth sailing, is it? And it's not supposed to be. There is nothing smooth about creation, is there? It's all edges and sort of imperfect beauty. You know, and the, the intricacies, and we'll get straight into it really, because like the intricacies in your music are all about holding that together, yet being taken somewhere by it and not falling apart at the same time, particularly live. How do you keep it together and how painful is it? <laughs> it's not painful, but it's extremely difficult and extremely precise what we do live. Um, everything that we do is 100% live, and people often say to us, or, or think, if, even if they don't say it, you must have some of those sounds coming from a little laptop that you've got under the desk or something, or we don't. So mm. everything is dependent on 20 fingers, that's, that's, and two voices, that's all that happens on stage. That makes it very demanding, and we're absolutely exhausted usually after, after playing live. Um, 
I don't think we even realize it sometimes what's happening because we're so used to doing it. It's only like afterwards that sometimes you do. But I suppose, but when you are in the flow, there's limitless energy, isn't there? So when you're actually doing it, it's mm. like, as long as the gig is going well, I suppose if you're really distracted, like sometimes, I mean, we do our own sound all of the time. So we've eliminated a lot of, you know, uncontrollables as much as possible, haven't we? But in doing that, we've taken a lot more uh, responsibility for the sound that we create mm. because we have no third party yeah. engineering the sound for us. We are that, you, well, you are, mm. you, you are that, that producer of the sound in, in a live situation, yeah. which is an extra demand on you. But in another way, it, there is a comfort in it. You know, there's, um, whereas when we've used sound by other people, and I'm not calling sound engineers because, you know, most of them are fantastic, mm -hmm. but they don't know what we want to sound like. Mm. As, as you will know yourself as a performer, mm. you have a very specific sound yeah. too. So it's hard to actually go and expect somebody to know how to make all of these instruments sound, these different delays or this atmosphere. It's impossible. It's impossible. So. It would take us a week to brief a sound engineer on our set. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, and then still it wouldn't sound like us. Yeah, we need we need to walk on stage knowing that our sound is going to sound familiar and comfortable and exactly what we expect. Otherwise, it's very destructive. You know, if, if you, in the olden days when we when we were days. You know, <laughs> two hundred years ago, before we decided to take on doing our own sound, when we had a, a, you know a sound engineer, and sometimes it was the venues. Mm guy that he, they'd hired in with the PA or whatever it was, you know, oh dear, you know, used to hear some sounds through the monitors that, is that my guitar? Is that my keyboard? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel like me. It, the band doesn't sound like us. And you, you were gritting your teeth and trying to get through an hour and a half's worth of music. Mm -hmm. And sometimes thinking, oh my goodness, thank God that's over. Mm -hmm. It didn't sound like us, it didn't feel right. We didn't enjoy a minute of it. That was dreadful. You have to eliminate that. There, there is and a way of doing thinking that, about that. Isn't we it? have to take on the responsibility of doing it ourselves. Yeah. That's more, more work. Yeah, I, I have this thing in my mind of it like being like, you, you've got your surfboard, you know how to surf it. Yeah. You've created the tsunami. Off you go. But when that happens, you've borrowed someone else's surfboard and you don't know how to use it. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's good analogy. And, and I think eliminating these external things, so somebody else doing the sound, what your keyboard's going to sound like, what your guitar's going to sound like, allows you to be more involved with the music because there's no barrier. There's just you mm. creating putting out what you've created. So it's, you know, that does allow it to flow, doesn't it? because that isn't uh, a worry. The sound is what the sound is. The rest is down to you and the performance yeah. and the audience being oh, present too, you know. As we know more now than ever, of course. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Gosh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's an interesting one because I personally have started like using Ableton as a loop device, you know, and I've, I've created like, I don't know, six or seven loopers that you can run. And I like going into the craziness of that. Um, but I am always wary of being that being a controlling factor that that to me is a band member and i try to treat it with respect yeah. as well but i i demand that it can allow me freedom to be myself and i think that you get that from your own your own stuff but you don't use any loops at all no computers you've got analog Ooh, sense no computers whatsoever i, I you, use you, a vocal loop on on certain songs yeah. not not overly yeah. but you know I, I use a vocal loop um but that's it oh, instrument wise we don't use a loop we use um I have a few really kind of old synthesizers mm. that will um, use the drum sounds off sometimes, yeah. which are really quite crude, but 
but cool. I, well, I think they're cool. We think they're cool. Um, so, yeah. But but just going back to your music, I watched your performance in the church and I thought it was really beautiful. Oh, thanks. That was my new thing. That's like, I, I spent the whole of last year in the COVID thing, thought going like, what am I going to do? And uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was trying to write pretty songs. I was trying to write this, that and the other. I went through every sort of facet of who I've been in my life. And uh, that's the that's what happened. That's how I'm emerging. But it's when I asked you about pain in your performance, because mm-hmm. I've since been back to the church and recorded another couple of songs. And I asked about pain because it's not necessarily pain. It's something that keeps you on your toes. But it's that that allows you to draw into the lyrical inspiration in the first place. You need that. You need to sort of tread not on eggshells, but like burning coals. You need that. You need that dance. You need the give and take of the fire, you know. And I, 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 I like the fact that this edge of chaos thing brings out a performance in me that can scare me. And I need that. And I yeah. draw on that. And I think that that's similar to what you're getting when you do it. The initiation, holding space with inspiration and going, OK, let's go, you know. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot in the pain thing. You know, I think a lot of our music comes from pain. Mm. You know, we've said before that um we like to try and make beautiful things out of pain. You know, we try and turn them into something. Um, and and as you say, you know, it's it's a form of self-expression. Mm-hmm. And when we're on stage, that kind of edge of this could all get out of control. You know, there is yeah. just us, like you, you know, yeah. like you were saying. You know, there's just you. You've got to. We treat our our instruments as our band, and we treat those with respect, don't we? Mm. But it is very much oh, like absolutely, our friends. You know, we are on the edge of, if something went wrong, there's nothing to pick us up, but yeah. it's just us, isn't it? If something went wrong with our chaos, it would go spectacular. <laughs> it, would be, it would be awful. Yeah. You know, thank you, God, it's never really happened that badly. We've had a few close moments. I remember one or two pretty scary moments where things have just not done. When you push a button, it doesn't do what mm-hmm. that button should do. And then what do I do with that? And we usually get through it quite well, but if you'd have told us that was going to happen, we'd be like, no, <laughs> yeah. we can't do the gig, cancel the gig. But when it happens in the moment, I think we're, we all need to have more faith in ourselves, don't we? Mm. Because we always expect that we can't survive these little disasters. I, I think I think just performing lifts you up to a higher level of awareness, alertness. Mm. Uh, you almost become a superhuman, <laughs> you know, when, when you're on a stage. Yeah. Because it, you, you, you need to be more than just an ordinary human being, don't you? Because there's so much more being demanded of you and so much more you're demanding of yourself. The, the pain for me in performing is, is trying to achieve that excellence mm-hmm. that you need of your own performance in order to be satisfied with what you're, you're doing, to be able to walk off and think that was okay. Mm-hmm. Now, okay to us is a very, very difficult place to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's great. I think if, 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 I, if I ever started to think that okay was okay, mm-hmm. then it's time to give up or, 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 or rethink what we're doing. Right. But it's nice to be able to struggle so hard, I think. But it doesn't feel like a struggle when we're there, does it? It doesn't feel like a struggle when we're playing. It feels very natural and very present. Um, but I know it's afterwards, isn't it? I remember we were talking to uh, Dave from... Hawkwind and he he always says they do a post-mortem on the gig afterwards mm, and it's I like absolutely you know this is what this is what we do we do a post-mortem on the gig yeah. and we have a report and we go over and over it and sometimes it's a good thing to do sometimes it's incredibly unhealthy but 
usually we yeah. have another gig to move on to so yeah. it doesn't yeah. last long yeah. yeah 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 i think if we're only doing 10 gigs a year or one tour a year then those 10 gigs would be hypercritical <laughs> i don't think i could stand that if, if we're doing like we're probably doing you know 70 or 80 gigs a year yeah i'm not saying that makes it easier yeah but it, you gain momentum from those gigs and that momentum's carried forward to the next night and the next night there's always a next night even mm. if it may be three nights away or one night away mm. there's that that momentum still keeps your uh, your engine warm mm-hmm. so to speak Apart which feels from good now. This is a different time though isn't it you stone know. cold now isn't it yeah. I, yeah i'm guessing no one's ever said to you that your music is nice nice that that word well, nice to talk about the I word nice i don't think, I don't know what it means actually, i don't nice. think we have and i'm not sure i'd be really annoyed or or really flattered i'm not sure how i feel about you nice. know what it is like when your grandmother says oh that's nice no it's yeah. not yeah. supposed to be nice nice is a horrible word come on let's get rid of nice well it, it can mean so many different things it, it can yeah. mean every shade of 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 from good to terrible, can't it? But maybe it's the equivalent of saying to somebody, "I'm fine." Yeah, it is. You know. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Your music no, is not nice. Let's let's. It's it's much nicer than nice. It's it's not supposed <laughs> to be nice, right? It's supposed to draw emotions from you that you that you didn't know you had until you heard it. You know. But let's talk about why you do what you do in the way you do. Um, what what was that like carrying all that gear around? Why did you do that? Because we're crazy people. <laughs> because well it's evolved hasn't it mm. i mean in, in the very early days we were much simpler we were really simple just a couple of guitars well, when we really started one guitar well you had two you had two guitars i only played one at a time yeah <laughs> there was one How guitar player, you? there was what? one singer and then me who occasionally added a harmony now and again mm. it was incredibly simple mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with simplicity and purity. No, and in some ways, you know, there's a part of me that kind of craves that in some regards because, you know, having all of this gear and being so reliant on our sound kind of makes me feel like, oh, we'll never tour Australia again because that was so easy then. You know, we just borrowed... We didn't even take guitars with us. I took my Omnicord and we picked up some guitars from Maton who lent us guitars and it was like... Off we went. I mean, yeah. we were still control freaks then. We had like a mini mixer that, and I then took my mic and things like that. But it was mm. not to the scale that we it are was, now. It was easy. <laughs> everything that we took, we could take on as hand baggage. Everything yeah. mm. in the lockers. Yeah. It was so great. And, and we toured Australia twice, three months at a time doing doing that. Mm. Now we great need our own plane. How do we freight all this gear over to Australia? It becomes a, a nightmare. I wonder, I yeah. We could, yeah, you must I be. Like, we could. Sorry, go on. How, how much will it, how much of it will survive when we get it out of Melbourne? That's the scary what will thing, be left it? of what we've got, and then what do we do? Because all our gear is old gear. It's not stuff that you can just go to a shop in Melbourne and buy another one of those or another Mac or another. Yeah. Whatever. It's it's, 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 really it's sort of like getting tattoos, isn't it? Like I'm I'm not a massively <laughs> tattooed person, but some people go, oh, "There's space for another <laughs> tattoo there." You're like, "Oh, there's space for a keyboard here," or you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if there's a bit of stage free. <laughs> and if not, we need a bigger stage. <laughs> it, it is like that. It's becoming a 360 degree kind of, uh, sort yeah, of stage plot that, that we've got. It, it is like a circle of instruments that we, that we uh, inhabit yeah. in the middle of the circle. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like this. And there's also an element of choreography in it. Yeah. This is something that I've never had in any other band I've played because, you know, I used to be the guitar player 
and I played guitar, mm. and I stood on the right. And the bass player, well, he played bass, and he stood on the yeah. left, and the drummer was in the middle at the back. It was dead easy. But now we're changing instruments, and some are on that side, and some are on this side. So we're, you know, in a way, uh, you, we're kind of blurring our geographical identity on stage, I feel I am, by moving from instrument to instrument and in different positions on stage all the time. It's almost like dancing. But it feels so normal to me. I don't even think well, about it. It just feels like this is what we do. Hmm. Well, you know, when we cross over on stage after a certain song, we know that's going to be the path. So I know I'm going to go behind you and you're going to go in front of me. I don't think me. we even think it, do we? And you're going to click that foot switch and I'm going to click that foot switch and then we can do the next... It, we don't even think about it. No. It's just become a kind of a, a <laughs> dance true. that we do. I love and the music is just I, I part of the that. dance, you know. But, yeah, but, we don't even bump into each other, do yeah. we? If we were doing no. that in a kitchen, we'd be like, get out of my way. It's really <laughs> interesting to go back, back to do the show again and see if we remember. See if those things are all still planned into our, well, our memories. Big or, or yeah, yeah, so. they are. Yeah, they are. It's like you're rally driving and you need a co-driver now, you know? you know. There's like yeah. a turn coming up in three corners time and it's this degree of a turn. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I love that. I love it was called tap dancing in my day when you'd have a load of pedals to flick and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then I went to this like, I'm just going to plug my guitar straight into the amp because it sounds better. And for a while yeah. you're happy with that. But then you're like, hmm, I'm not that kind of person. I think I'll get a pedal. Then you've got a huge pedal board. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then you go back and I go backwards and forwards all the time. But I, I'm convincing myself and I know when I listen to it and that sense of urgency, that sense of like being alert. I need that. And I also need the capacity to meditate on ideas. But I do think mm. there's another thing on your side in that if you stripped away all the magic and all that sort of stuff, you'd be left with some very amazing songs. And that's also very important to highlight here. You need good songs. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank on that. you. Because I think, well, I don't, not agree with you more that you think the song's nice. That's, that's wonderful. But nice. I, I, you didn't I, say I, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Without yeah. all the crazy stuff, they're nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think it has to have a song at the root. Everything we yeah. do has to have a, a, a song that we're happy with. If we're happy with the song, then we can, have, then we can get excited by producing it in a live way. Mm. And, and I think we tend to use that word more about our live show now than, than, than ever before. That, it's it's obviously when you're producing a record, it's the production of the, the record and the production values of the record. But it's the production value of, of the live show as well, which is, is starting to become quite exciting, really, isn't it? It is. It is. It, and I, I really agree with what you say. And thank you. I'm glad you think that about our songs. But I agree that that is our aim. We hope it's always the song first. Mm. And it's never... We, let's add more it's never more than what we think it can take and mm. you know hopefully tour those songs in a very simple way so if we did want to go back to australia we could mm. to, i mean we've with our patreons we started doing like acoustic songs we've only done a couple mm. um but it's been taking the songs and purely playing them acoustically mm-hmm. and they kind of worked and it does kind of make it's kind of like an interesting take on them and it also makes us think actually hopefully we could do this if we had to not meaning we want to because we enjoy the crazy stuff mm-hmm. but um if we if we wanted to hopefully the songs would stand up by themselves mm-hmm. hopefully they would they would it's quite it's quite demanding to strip songs down to one guitar, two guitars. Mm. It's quite an interesting exercise to do that, mm-hmm. to see when, when you take all the clothes off the song, uh, what, what are you left with? And, 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 and it's okay. It's okay. 
yeah. yeah. I'm comfortable with that. And I guess that's what you're doing when you're flitting back to, let's just plug straight into the amp. Mm. Let's forget the pedals. You know, you're going back to this very basic. But it doesn't mean that you can't expand. And it's good to expand, isn't it? It's good to think, well, what else can I do with this? Because we have to keep ourselves on our toes yeah. and keep growing. Yeah, I yeah. Think. I feel it's like you're checking. You have to keep hungry as well. You need to keep hungry. But for me, with yeah. the, the basic stuff is checking in with the idea, checking in with the core stuff. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to writing a song, there is no one way to do it. But they do have to work in both dimensions. The craziness has to work in the simplistic form. And the simplistic form should work in the craziness. And uh, one informs the other. But for yourselves, mm. when you're writing your songs, how do you go about it? Is it piano, guitar? I knew that was coming. Both. Yeah. Both. Um, sometimes piano, sometimes guitar. And I don't know where they come from. Yeah. They come from somewhere that we don't have a constant dialogue with. <laughs> I think yeah. they come from somewhere else. Um, I'm not saying that we don't play a part in it. You know, before, we used to always say they come from outside. And maybe, the, you know, somewhere in this, you know, atmosphere, God's, spirit whatever maybe they come from there but also you know i think there's a lot a big part of ourselves that we don't listen to on a daily basis and i think it comes from there as well not to go into like you know unconscious mind but i think a lot of it comes from there too hmm. i don't know where it come from i really don't and i don't know how the process works i can't analyze the process it's probably better not to um... <laughs> Well, let's analyze it anyway. No, I don't want to. It'll <laughs> run away. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's an interesting process. I mean, our process, um, there is a process in, in, in our is writing. That? Yeah, I think there is. Well, maybe not a process, but there's a um, a pattern. Um, you usually start with a very simple, well, not simple, but an idea. You usually come with the first. It's very rare that I initiate a song. You initiate the songs. What used to happen was these songs used to happen at sound checks, and we have a very methodical process of sound checking. We do things in certain orders, and mm -hmm. you know, you do you do your side of the stage first. You tune all your stuff up, and then I'll do mine and stuff like that. What used to happen was she would start sound checking her side of the stage, and I would probably go to the loo or something like that, or, or just go back to the dressing room or something to eat. As soon as I was off stage, or the gents or something, I would hear something that I'd never heard before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because she's so shy, she won't actually present a new idea to me when I'm there. Mm -hmm. Aren't you? I've been in the toilets a couple of times thinking, that's nice. What, <laughs> what, what could I play on that? Is it a bass song? Should I play piano on it? Is it a guitar song? What would I do with that one? What can I do? So I'll spend five minutes listening to her just rotating around an idea. Yeah. Then I'll come come out, join her on stage, pick up whatever instrument I think it is, and, and join in with it. And then many, many times that's resulted in a song being written in five minutes or ten minutes and being played that night. And that's a great energy-filled way to write a song, I think. I love it. <laughs> That's how most of them happen. It used to be. You've just ruined it now by mentioning it. Every time you go to the toilet, <laughs> she's going to be blocked now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, songs come when they want to. I don't think we chase them. You know, I don't think, I don't think it's that helpful to sit down and say, right, I'm going to write a song. Yeah. Not for me anyway. Yeah. I think they come mm. when, you know, if I'm sat in my kitchen, I think, oh, I'll just have a little tinkle on the piano or, mm. you know, I'll just pick up the guitar 
and for I have it's all maybe it's a confidence thing maybe that's what it is I can't think oh well I'm going to write a song I'll pick it up with with just the intention of just playing it making sure it's in tune you know mm-hmm. and then and then something will come but I think if I sat down and and somebody said right you need to write a song about this I think I would struggle to be honest oh we both would I don't think we could possibly mm-hmm. write like that I know a lot of people do a lot of people write in a very like building a wall, don't they? Yeah, and that's okay. Mm. That's perfectly okay. And that's a different skill in itself, mm. isn't it? You know, to actually have that. Um, what is the word? There is Not a word. Just the, yeah, um, there is a word, but I can't think of. Yeah. Uh, to have that ability to actually sit down and say, "Right, I'm writing a song right now." Yeah. I, I just don't work in that way at all. I mean, different writers write different kind of songs for different kinds of reasons mm. don't they and everything is is valid but yeah. we, we, you know, yeah. some people will say you know i have to write a song maybe they're being you know hired to write a song mm. for a certain artist or a certain situation or or something like that and, and and then they have to think along a line they've got almost a brief in their head whether it's somebody else has provided them with a brief or they've provided themselves with their own brief they have to focus on that purpose that direction for a song I don't think we could ever dream of doing that. You yeah. know, I, I know people in places like Nashville and stuff like that are excellent at writing yeah. music and songs to order. So you don't uh, do that at all? You don't do any sort of like library music, sync music requests, that sort of stuff at all? We never have done. No, never we, thought would, we, would, we, would, we would probably love to. We would enjoy it. We would enjoy it. I think I'm just very undisciplined. Mm. (laughs) In a way, it might be a whole new way of approaching Mm. writing because there would be no responsibility to to create anything from within ourselves. It would be very external. Well, it would be be from within, wouldn't it? But it would be for a different purpose, Mm. wouldn't it? So I guess it's not to say something that you have this burning need to say. Mm. Do, do Do you write... I do. I mean, I struggle with it, but it's it's the only thing that pays the bills sometimes, you know. So I mean, it's it? it's P- PRS coming up now. I mean, library music will mm. give you give you several thousand, you know, here and there. So, and that's been good at this moment in time, obviously, because the last mm. year has been like January and February this year have been. I can't even begin to explain how bad they've been, but things are getting better now, you know, and that's because of some commercial stuff that I've written. Um, but I agree with you, Chrissy, that like you, there are processes you're describing, such as getting out of your own way. That allows the ideas to come. You cannot hunt down a good idea. You cannot hunt it down and put it on a wall. You need to sort of like allow it to blossom. You need to befriend it. It's like sitting in a field and having a lovely bird sit on your shoulder and making friends with it. And that's what that's what the process you're describing is that. So for me, there are songs that come from a far deeper place. Creativity is like a constantly running stream. And I think what we do as creatives is we hone our ability to tap into that stream when the time is right yeah. something will come and we make the most of that idea and it's like we were chosen to do so and that that's a different process than going i'm going to write a song today about a man called sam you know different ways of using your skill set the other one's good it informs your production skills it's useful mm. you know you can take a template and go i'm going to write that again in a different key if you want to it depends where you're at but what happens then is you lose your um, your muse might feel a little bit angry unless it gets some money because you're selling yourself out to make some money so I've been there, mm. you know. And that's an interesting comparison, isn't it? You know, you, you, you're saying, you, no, we, sorry, Bash is barking that's at fine. something. <laughs> um, you know, we, you, we can use it as a purely 
functional exercise almost, couldn't we? Let's write something, you know, about a guy called Sam or let's write a song about the sun or whatever. And it, I suppose it, it all kind of expands you in a way, but I suppose what you're talking about when you're saying sitting there and allowing the bird to sit on your shoulder, it's coming from somewhere, a more vulnerable place, isn't mm. it? It's like, don't scare it away. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you've got mm. to be really open and really gentle because as soon as you do get back in your own way you get too much in your head mm. it just ruins it doesn't it mm-hmm. it's like the tap on the water thing isn't it you know you, you've got to find a way of turning the tap and allowing the water to, to flow out of the tap yeah. but you can't pull the water out of the tap you know you, you, you can't you can't make it flow any faster than it wants to yeah um yeah yeah are we the tap of the water Ooh. i don't think we are i think we're the tap we, we are at the tap and the creativity is the water we've just managed yeah, to make a lovely bathroom it comes from some maybe even somebody else let alone somewhere else yeah. it's weird you know, isn't it best, best not look for i know you can have this thought that actually if you don't grab the song somebody else will because yeah. it's just like but then sometimes you do feel a real connection with it so you know that actually maybe they're just around us with our feelings and we kind of pick up on other people's feelings as well don't we mm-hmm. when we're with people um i don't know maybe it's good that we don't know that we all have this infinite source to tap into if we want to if we're open to it yeah and, and also never read a songwriting book never read a book that tells you oh, how to yeah. write a song i, I did <laughs> that i honestly I did that about four years ago and I, I've been trying to unlearn all that stuff. I even, like, I gave the books away to a songwriting student. I was going to burn them, but I was giving them too much yeah, attention. Yeah, I was going to say, burning them would be a pretty good thing to do. And now, yeah. now I'm stuck with rhyming syndrome, and I can't get it out of my head. And it's, just, it's a problem. But I'm feeling more connected now to the source, you know. But there was a while there when it was just wrong, you know. So don't do that. It's a... No, I... It, 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 it's, it's funny that really, isn't it? Don't learn the rules. Yeah. Do not learn the rules, <laughs> whatever you do, because it, it gives you, it fences you in, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and you don't want to be fenced in when you're creating. You want to yeah. be, you know, free and mm-hmm. go wherever you want. You want it to be limitless. But another big question is, is knowing music theory uh, help or hindrance? Bash this. Thinking uh... <laughs> beautifully, darling. I guess, I guess it depends, doesn't it? I think people who know music theory will say it's a help, but we don't know. Well, we're we're not will... classically trained in any way. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah no, I, I'm, I'm of the embrace the accident school. I like to make mistakes and go, that's where I should be going. You know, and that's an important thing with theory. I wouldn't make any mistakes. So how am I going to be different from the book? No, you wouldn't. You know, I, mm. yeah. And then mm. there is a school of thought that says to think outside the box, you need to know what the box contains. But I don't know, if you run fast enough towards the edges, you're going to find something outside there that nobody knows anyway. And uh, <laughs> I'm into yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, um, I'm into that. What, what about the, the your start as songwriters? Where did you start, Chrissy? Where did it come from? Are you always writing songs? Always writing lyrics from being a kid. I remember my first song, I was like really young, but it was like an anti-veal crate song. Um, And, you know, I just remember writing like boxes and boxes of lyrics and just sort of singing them. And, but, you know, as a kid, and even now, you know, I'm, I'm still very introverted. So, you know, most people probably think that's crazy because we perform on stage, but I am. Um, so it, it took a while to actually, you know, it, 
you're the, the first person who I collaborated with properly. You know, I had other bands um, when I was in college and things like that, lots, lots of different bands, but mm. we were the first thing that actually took it to another level. Mm. But that's yeah. where I started songwriting. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about yourself, Rick? Oh, dear. The post, the post will keeps coming, doesn't it? I, I, I lived for years playing in bands, mm. never writing a song in my life. Never thought that I could. Never thought that it was my kind of thing to do. Yeah. I, looking back on it now, I just can't imagine why I felt such a, a barrier to songwriting. Uh, you know, playing in covers bands, rock bands, yeah. all sorts of stuff. It was always somebody else who wrote the songs, or maybe we were playing somebody else's songs. I never actually looked in the mirror and thought, well, why don't you write a song? No. It was just never an option to me. And when, but it was when, always an option, but you never saw it. we bumped into each other, yeah. it became the only option. You, you, yeah. you really opened the curtains on that one, like the sunshine, in, and, and, and then, you know, I can't imagine playing somebody else's song now. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, you know, but yeah. I can't imagine getting much fun out of playing another person's song because they, the fact that they are from ourselves makes them have uh, a much greater kind of reason to exist, of course. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to perform somebody else's song. That yeah. would feel thin. Well, I don't, I don't mind, you know, performing other people's before. songs, but it feels like there's a lot, you know, we don't tend to add covers to our set because it's, like we can't even include all of our songs that we want to include. So why would mm. we um, then start adding other people's songs? But you know what, people who add covers, if you do an interesting take on things, that's, mm. that's great. And we can learn a lot from other songwriters, I guess, can't we? But I think we <coughs> Bash, come here, I'm so sorry. No hey, worries. Um, I think he's like, because he's being ignored, you need to stroke him. He has something to say. <laughs> he he does, he's saying, he's saying. <laughs> He's saying there's somebody outside trying to break into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's, so, so when you guys, um, when you hooked, hooked up to play music, was did you then think for yourself, Chrissy, that this project chose you rather than you deciphering that it should be done in the way that it's been done? I think there was definitely a plan. Whether it was our plan or not, it felt like we did have a connection from the start, didn't we? And I think I saw... A, a bigger vision for us at first than you did. Um, well, I was already locked into a band I've been playing with for a long, long time. Mm. A very well-established kind of trio of guys that we, we knew each other from a long, long time before. So that was almost, I thought that was, that was going to go on for my whole life. There was no reason that would ever change. Yeah. So when you came and, you know. Ruined everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just smashed it all up. Rebuilt you. Yeah, it was a very yeah. funny feeling, Rebuilt really. Rebuilt you. <laughs> to think that there was ever an alternative. Mm. Um, yeah, so it felt like, it felt right when we first started. I mean, don't get me wrong, we argue like crazy. And we did even in the early days, um, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. um, but it, there was... wrong with that. No, no, yeah. it, it's like a charge, isn't it? You know, when you're creating and there is like, it becomes you become extra charged, don't you? Mm -hmm. Because you tapped into all of this energy mm -hmm. and you are more vulnerable. And um, But it just felt right from the start to me. And we we kind of evolved really quickly. And, you know, we didn't know where we were going to go. Um, and we don't know where we're going to go. Anything could happen, mm -hmm. you know, from starting playing with one guitar in the beginning to having all these 
mm-hmm. you know, crazy instruments and who knows what will happen next. And that's exciting because we feel yeah. limit, not limitless, but we feel... Well, we do. I think uh, we do. I don't we, think there's any boundaries whatsoever. I don't think it's any shape or size that's dictated that that's the, that's the shape or size mm. that we're trying to fill. Yeah, uh, we're not trying to be anything, but we've actually prescribed or mm. predecided that that's where we want to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, every, every time we do anything, write a song, do a tour, whatever, it can be anything we want. You know, the shape mm-hmm. and size of that energy can be any anything you want. There's there's no there's no um, givens at all. No, and it's what we are at the time, isn't it? You know, it is expressing really where we are mm-hmm. at that moment in time. So mm. Mesmeranto was a very, felt like a very different kind of performance to, not that we got a chance to perform it much, but <laughs> to yeah. uh, Diamond for Roses, you know, they, they've all felt, um, I want to use the word authentic, but um, maybe it's overused, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. It feels like if we're not tapped in and, connected to what we're doing then we change it don't we so if we're not feeling a song it's like well let's give it a break let's do something else in 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 there being only two of us i think that's such a massive benefit uh, Mm. that we are able to change anything you know there's only two people to agree on anything that we do so if if we wanted to introduce a string section to a part of the show or something it would be quite an easy decision to make that. Let's say, let's have a go. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's let's get let's do it. If you wanted to buy a harp and introduce a harp, into oh, well, a that's an song, idea. You know, <laughs> yeah, let's let, let's do it. Why not? You know, whatever. I don't if I wanted to, to will you tune it? Play a heavy guitar, <laughs> and you said, nah, nah, nah. You know, and, and, there's no rules, and it's very easy mm. to manage a situation with only two people. Um, to go forward without having any disagreements and you know if there's five people in a band wow it's hard work getting a consensus with five people you know i think it should sound like this well i think it should sound like that yeah times five yeah and you're always usually going to end up with a compromise where each of those five people is in some way less than perfectly happy about the song mm. unless you're extremely lucky band mm. Mm. yeah and also we we have the you know, if we don't want drums on something or we don't want bass on something or, you know, we don't have the same ingredients on every song. So if we did have a conventional band, it'd be like, well, the drummer would be like, well, I'm pissed off because I'm not doing yeah. anything for <laughs> oh, yeah. five songs. And the bass player's like, well, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, you as, do you perform solo most of the time? Yes, we do. Yes, no, no. I mean, I do. Like, but, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sure Rick, you've stood in front of the mirror and told the drummer he's fired many times, right? It's that sort of thing, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to be the drummer. That's my problem. Well, that's yeah. This is, this, is, this, is why this band is just my perfect band. I've always wanted, you know, I've always been a guitar player, except I started 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's that's really, you know, in, in my on my mental passport, it still says, Pilkington guitarist but I've always wanted to be everything else as well yeah. always wanted to be a drummer always wanted to be a bass player yeah. always wanted to be a synth player always wanted to be everything and now I can with varying degrees of yeah. uh, you know <laughs> skill but I guess you grew, um, you groove with yourself and that's cool and you groove with Chris yeah you know, that's, that's that's it would be weird to have somebody else in the mix now like one of my favorite bands is it's a band called low I don't know if you low if you know the band low they're amazing. They're they're a duo. They do have a bass player with them sometimes, but their creative energy is also amazing. And and because it's just the two of them, they they allow the music to take them to places that 
you couldn't take yourself to with a conventional band setup in any case. Mm. You get you get your regular band set up, and all of a sudden during sound te- sound check, you're playing "Sweet Home Alabama," and that's not what you want to do. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. You you want to you want to do something crazy, and I think that yeah. having an unusual setup allows you to sort of throw a different switch. You know, and and so yeah. I I do play solo. Um, I loop stuff around. I shout into my acoustic guitar. I bow it like I play drums on the guitar, and mm. and it's a different way of making music. And I think it's like it's not. It's the feeling of limitless, but it's a different kind of limitless, isn't it? It's not limitless as in you could go into an arena and rock out. It's mm. not that. Mm. It's that there's a texture you can apply to it that will draw something from somewhere else. And mm. uh, I do like. I guess when you're writing the songs, like, do you you write them and then you produce them, uh, and then you play them live, or do you write them and then you start playing them live and then you produce them? How does that sort of thing work for you? Um, we write them, and usually how they're written is how they're played live. So um, if I come with a complete song, then you will add something to it. Or if yeah. we're writing um, together, usually what happens is. What gets played live is what happens as it's written, isn't it? So it will, and yes. then it gets produced in the studio. So, yeah. well, I think we produce it twice. I think we do, we write, we, we write the bones of a song and then we produce it mm. to be played live. So, that, that the production, yeah. the live production is about which instruments mm. are used. Are we going to use, we're going to try and play more than one instrument each? Where do those instruments come in? And all, all the arrangement of the song is a, as a live entity. Mm. And then once, you know, we'll probably play that for you know, maybe a year sometimes yeah. before we then take it into the studio and, and make it into something that goes on an album. And then when it gets into the studio, it takes on a whole new th- yeah. opportunity. Yeah. There's a whole load of more layers that you can either add or subtract yeah. from, from the live show, the live version. Um, and that's when it becomes, it has its second life somehow. Mm. It has a life number one, which is its live status. And then life number two, which is its, recorded status and they're different yeah they can be very different i think we we again don't apply the rules of we need to make this sound like when we're playing it live we need to make it sound like the record actually we treat them like different animals with Mm. the same skeleton but the clothing can be very different and sometimes it's the same you know sometimes it's exactly Mm. the same and what happens in the studio is exactly what happens on stage and then sometimes you know in the studio you have the opportunity to have more vocals play more instruments and that's fun too Mm -hmm. so we again you know we we don't want the rules there what is the point you know creativity isn't about rules Mm -hmm. it's against it's against rules it's Mm -hmm. you know Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, cool. it's nice that I think when you go into a studio, you don't go, oh, let's limit it to what we can play live because there is another element to it and that you need to go down that road to find it. But I suppose you do have some some fact of it informing how you will do it. But layering stuff up is a very interesting way of making music. It sort of reminds me of Mike Oldfield in some ways. I, like I'm a huge yeah. Mike Oldfield fan and I, and I hear that in your music and I think it's that storytelling without the words even in the, in the music. Is that is that an influence on you, Mike Oldfield? And him, definitely, yeah. I would say. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah, I can remember the very first time I heard Tubular Bells. I remember yeah. the exact experience of, of listening to that record for the first time. Are you going to cry? Well, it's a, a, a very <laughs> cherished kind of moment, you know, when, when, you, when yeah. you're introduced to that. Because that, that was a, a massive, great watershed in the development of music yeah. for so many people. Certainly for me, you know, it, it was a big deal, that album. Mm. 
I'm so pleased um, that you hear bits and pieces same of here. what we do. You know, you, that's you, like... You couldn't flash us any higher than that, to be honest. Um, and we like the music to tell things. You know, we we don't want it to just be the words. You know, I, I listen to a lot of instrumental music mm. and they it makes me feel all kinds of things. You know, it shouldn't just be about the words, should it? You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It, no, music in itself is, is, is a communicative kind of form isn't it oh, it's you know, a massive you know, play language, three notes yeah. together and it'll make you feel a certain mm. feeling yeah. in, inside you it's huge really isn't it mm. when you think about it. it how simple it can be but actually how profound and how deeply it can connect with us yeah yeah because those just three frequencies, notes. <laughs> frequencies but so are we vibrating air. <laughs> so are we so are we inside of us inside our souls it's telling us something and I it's think, speaking yeah. to us in such a profound and deep way yeah. it's only moving air yeah. it's only frequencies it's only three notes on a piano but it tells a whole story it's very resonates you know, with us isn't it? right the whole book mm. it's the whole film it's the whole movie isn't it yeah you know there's three notes or it can be you know i think that what i three think per, that's that's notes. that's that what you just said there chrissy about we are also frequencies is 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 the magic ingredient in that isn't it because i could pick up a guitar and play it and another person can play it, it will sound completely different. Um, mm-hmm. And I find with an acoustic guitar, particularly where it's placed, which is why singer-songwriters are so um, into singing about heartbreak and stuff, is because the the heart vibrate is vibrated by the guitar, mm-hmm. and I think it massages these words out. Whereas an electric guitar can be quite low, and then it might, it might play in a completely different way, you know. But it it is a vibration. It's, <laughs> it's a that's an interesting theory, which you could extrapolate quite absolutely away actually yeah it's quite a, that's a really place, interesting theory yeah. is that why oh no i won't go into it because there's a kind of a uh, the theory could extend yeah well it could in a, in a certain way so yeah i never ever thought about that yeah it's, it's a weird one isn't beautiful. It? Yeah. yeah i think that's so. a really beautiful way of explaining it isn't it you know the vibrating guitar like held up by your heart and yeah. you, you almost become one don't you i guess you do you meld well. with the wood and guitars become your friends over time as well because they're oh, very yes. familiar to you you know absolutely yeah. they become your best friends mm. don't they mm. some of them don't <laughs> one or two of them have you ever smashed the but guitar you have too many, guitars. <laughs> you don't, too many guitars you can't have that many girlfriends you know it's like <laughs> you can't love that many yeah. people at once yeah. you have to have your guitar there's, there's I know we have a couple I'm but... not really very happy with at the moment I'll have them I'll have them it's tricky with guitars though because you have to give a guitar some love for it to love you back and if, if it's not ready for it then you're just going to put it away and it's never going to get enough mm-hmm. love I'm, I'm very bad with guitars yeah. I, I don't give them love i don't i don't i don't cherish them enough and, and I, I use them too much i think rather than, than adore them well i don't oh, know i don't think uh, that i don't think uh, that's i feel a bit guilty true. about that you made me feel very guilty now Mark. <laughs> it's like that with people though so <laughs> I think I change the strings on every guitar I own now. but you still love your guitar and you still you used to every, at the end of every gig i mean you got quite lazy with it uh, at the end but in our very early days he used to really quite piss me off at the end of the gigs because i'd be putting all this gear away and he'd be polishing his guitar oh, yeah. with mr sheen and i'd be like <laughs> but all this gear though yeah. <laughs> yeah this was before all the other instruments it was when we had the uh one or two guitars but yeah yeah it's, it's a great like excuse anymore, it? it I, I think eric took Cut- it in the case and it's like yeah took it in the van and, and I, b- yeah, I believe cool. it was um, Eric Clapton who didn't do any washing up for six months because he had a gig coming up in the Royal Albert Hall, you know. So, 
Just a good <laughs> <excuse>. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's um, polish my guitar. What, what about producing? Who produces your records then? You do it together. Well, we, we do. We do. Yeah. You're, you're quite, I mean, I, I love the process. You're, you're very much, whereas I probably lead songwriting, you're probably more lead yeah, you're right production there. with uh, Glenn, who we work yeah. with, an engineer. Yeah. We've got a great engineer who, who we've been with from the very start he's right. produced and, and engineered everything for us it's his studio he's got a great little studio we love him to bits he's a brilliant musician mm -hmm. as well as a brilliant engineer and, and almost doesn't know it which is good so we can't listen to this because <laughs> but i mean he does know it but he doesn't know how good he is because yeah. we're like wow you know when he plays some piano or our stuff it's just like yeah yeah that <laughs> yeah. so he, he he adds to what we do yeah um, in, in a very, very superb way, really, you know, and, and you know, I, I love working with him in the studio. It's great. It's a great experience. It's, mm. uh, you know. Yeah, so we have a lot of, in obviously, we have total input in what we're doing. We, we're always the, the leaders on how we see things, aren't we? But if we say that, he knows how to make yeah. it sound like that. And we, yeah. You know, he, he gives us the technical ability that we have absolutely no love. no when we don't kind of want it in that in that space we want mm. to just be in the flow of the ideas and um you know we we do enough producing on stage really yeah. as well you know but we enjoy going into the studio and um glenn is very open to to i mean sometimes he will look at us like what <laughs> but then once we've done it mm. it's like yeah, yeah, I get it now. And it's good to feel that safe with somebody that you don't actually mind if they say what, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, it's good to be not restricted by your own ability in the studio, in a way. I find I, I find <clears> that, that <throat> massively freeing. That, you know, if, if I was trying to produce all my music on a laptop or, or, or in, a, in my own studio, you'd be actually bound by the ability that you have within yourself. Mm -hmm. So was, there's no boundaries with with what we do in the studio i can say the craziest thing why don't we make it why don't we do this why don't we try that mm. and well then they will do it in reverse or something and then you know that might be the most stupidest thing to suggest but we can actually make it happen yeah and i also think and it, it so, might work it might not work and i also think this and you know lots of people self-produce and that's absolutely great um, but i also think for us um, it's good to have the discipline of we're going into the studio at this time and mm. we have to leave at this time mm. because, you know, this is how much this costs. This is how long mm. we have to do it. And I think that's really good because otherwise we would be, we'd never get it done. Mm. If we were sat in here, you know, recording every single thing, we'd never get it done. We'd be procrastinating until we died mm -hmm. and we'd never release another album. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's good to have that focused time, don't you? I think you have to have some discipline, but I think <laughs> you, I, I think you know when the song is finished at the studio. Oh yeah! I think you know when it's right. Uh, I think we, we we're quite quite thoughtful and very kind of careful about that mm. um, to making sure there's not either too much on a song or too little on a song. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I think it's good to have that time in that space that is dedicated mm. just to this, rather than going up to my coming up to my office and being like, right. I don't know. Yeah. It may change in the future. Things, yeah. you know, things may change. It, it, We're open to that too. It's really hard to produce yourself um, for the reasons you've described in, in that you never, never know when you're done. I think that's the worst one. Mm. You know, mm. you're tweaking, tweaking, tweaking and also having to press oh, record, yeah. trying to be someone who's 
trying to get the best performance out of someone and being the same person is it's just really hard you, it is really you know hard. i've done it the last album i did i did it all on my own and i embellished things by singing in the corner and throwing things around and, and it was a hard process that needed to be done like that i will never do that again and uh, it, it's not conducive to uh separating from it enough to be able to enjoy it either with a clear mind i think you always need a sec- another person mm. to say or maybe you, you don't sound like crap <laughs> maybe you right. or maybe i i think we uh, well me in particular i'd probably need more rather than you sang that crap maybe that that was actually good you know because what i i find maybe i'm very hard on myself and i think a lot of creative people are very self-conscious and don't always feel good enough that keeps us striving so it's hard to actually step away from it and like you were saying you know Mm. when is this done um when it's just you you know, if you're just that, like, is this good enough? Because quite often I would probably think, no, that's not good enough. And, and then I'd never get it done. Yeah. No, it, it yeah. never would be good enough. Mm. So you'd never be happy with it. You've got to have someone else to say, that was a brilliant take. Yeah. But then part of me thinks then, but then how pure would it be if you just did do every single thing yourself and, and be good with it? That would be beautiful, wouldn't it? That actually, I did a great job. I would never say that no, to myself. <laughs> It's a difficult one, that. I saw the reason I did it that way was because I was just singing and playing guitar. uh, And I wanted the takes to be like I had a microphone set up six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'd come out and sing. And uh, they were the purest takes I wanted to do. And I had to do them on my own, you know, so that was a different Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that what happens when you record on your own is that you might record a vocal and think that's only okay. Maybe because the room doesn't sound so good and you're not able to get enough detail out of it. And therefore, mm-hmm. you know, it's like recording to tape. You accept that. If you go into a studio, you're going to love what you've done because there's a commitment to it. And you need to honor that commitment as well. And that's why mm-hmm. you can move forward. The doubt has gone. It's replaced by something that's tangible. You know? Yeah. And you know yeah. you've done the absolute best that you can, whether mm-hmm. you think it's you know the the best performance you're ever going to do at that moment in time you've done the best that you can mm. and it, having the other people around you and say you know like when we're when we listen back to an album or we listen back to a track and we're sat with glenn and we're all look at each other and go huh you know or I, i'm probably crying or you're probably uh, crying mm. you think yeah that's okay yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that'll, that'll do <laughs> yeah. yeah what about um label you're with a label now right Record label. Yes, we are with yeah. with esoteric records. Nice. Um, oh, the cherry red. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How's that going? Really Great. good. They've um, been very good to us. Um, they've been our favourite label so far. <laughs> <laughs> yes, by miles. Um, yeah, it's been it's yeah. been really good. I mean, we love Vicky and Mark who run the label. Um, they're very open. You know, again, I don't think we could work within a label that had wanted creative any creative input you know we want to Mm. we are we have to make the decisions ultimately we Mm. don't want somebody else to come along and say well why don't why doesn't your next album sound a bit more like this because it just can't with us we just don't want that kind of life within music so um it feels like a really healthy label to be on doesn't it i think it's very healthy yeah it's great for us it's been great for us yeah Mm. and what about wardlaw how long have you been with them do you know what i think it's going to be coming up to four years this year wow nice 
So are you with Wardlaw as I well? I am, yeah. I signed with Wardlaw right, a right. year and a half ago. And like one of the reasons I signed was because I listened to your music and I was like, oh, if they like these guys, then I, I think they're cool. <laughs> Oh, that's really it's, great. Can thank we really you. I'm going to take it and I'm going to say thank you. It's because you, you're outside of the box of, because like, I grew up in a singer songwriter sort of realm and I've yeah. always wanted something else for my music, but I've always wanted to be true, for, true to the song. And that's what you were doing. And I was like, okay, cool. So Wardlow, like some experimentally cool music that's dedicated to a song, but has a vibe to it. And I was like, okay, they're cool. And that is, that's, that's, I'm not making that up. I have no reason to make that up. That is true. It's brilliant. Thank you very much. And, you know, likewise, when, when like I said, I, I've only heard the one song mm. in the Church of Yours. Right. But it was one of the, but, but, you know, I do want to hear more because, you know, sometimes things just grab you. Sometimes you need to listen to things a few times. But when I turned it on, you know, I was in a space where I could have easily been distracted by other things. Yeah. But it was like, oh, this is really good. Mm. It really it, it it drew me in so i'm That's, really pleased that you connected with yeah. our music because we did with yours yeah. and this isn't like a you know a kiss ass com- competition no no <laughs> no and, I, I, and it's 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 also a tribute to stan as well at wardlaw for having an open mind about music you know i think that yeah yeah i like that about them that they have a little bit of bravery um yeah you know mm. uh, it's a difficult world to to work in publishing i think and and, and he's tried to be independent all the way through and thoughtful mm. and considerate um where it goes to we don't know at this point but it's it's nice to be part of a, a family you know mm-hmm. so you're the first family members i've met from Wardle. oh nice That's to meet great. you this is <laughs> yeah lovely. same here oh no we've we met um did we meet somebody else from Wardlow? We met a couple when they did like this showcase in London. Oh yeah, was it that? Paperface and, and Lou. Um, this is a Reverie yeah. Me, her name was then. And yeah, she's gone back to her real name. Yeah, I can't but she was called Reverie Me. So we've met a couple of people very briefly. Yeah. Um, but this is the longest conversation we've had yeah. with a family member yeah. cool. <laughs> in quite a long time. Cool, cool. And did, did they get you some syncs for your music and stuff? How's that going? Not yet. Um, They've had interest. Um, They've told us like certain um, supervisors really love what we do and things. But at the moment, we're still hoping, you know, to catch a fish in that area because it would be. um, Have you you caught any fish in that area? No, I haven't. I haven't caught any fish in that area. Mm. Um, I have done some. They give me some briefs to do for adverts and stuff. So I've written some stuff for briefs for adverts, but I haven't landed one yet. Um, I used to be a writer for Ninja Tune before that as well. And uh, um, again, with them, I did a lot of stuff, but I didn't land anything. It's quite hard. I think I think mm-hmm. I think with Wardlaw, it's like when when stuff gets going, they really have got your back, you know, and it's a good deal. So it's about mm-hmm. getting your own career going. But it would be nice to get a sync or two just to sort of yeah, like, to cover things, you know. Yeah. But this year, yeah, this 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 would be great. And and they they are nice people as well. So it's nice to have feel like you can approach them so if you do have an issue or if you're upset about anything yeah. or not upset about anything like you know my <laughs> boyfriend was horrible to me but you know, like if you <laughs> although actually i think they still would answer the phone they would. but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they feel they, they they are approachable aren't they so i think that's really important isn't it and they do have a really nice roster they do have a nice roster. That was my interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice roster. Yeah, and there are some members of Irish band, The Frames, that I really like as well. So it was quite yeah. nice. And, and I, I think, 
it's an interesting one being with a publisher because you you are tied in many directions, but it also does solidify your um, the need to be good at what you do, you know. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, where you're at now. So you, you obviously released your album and then coronavirus hit. Um, have you had coronavirus, either of you? We don't know. Don't so. We hope not. But um, well, actually, no. I hope so. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, last year, um, it was actually last, just after Christmas last year. We did have. Um, I hope you know we did have this horrible kind of flu thing yeah. where I had a cough for yeah. like a couple of months yeah. which was bizarre for me and then you did you had something as well and you needed mm. antibiotics because they said it had turned into bronchitis mm. and um so part of us is wondering if we had an early mm. dose and w- was very lucky that we had like maybe a lighter version of it mm. but um not that we know of and um, we haven't had any tests or anything yeah, but, yeah, yeah. um it's quite scary isn't it we're trying to be as safe as possible mm. it's a tricky How one about you? i haven't i don't think i've had it i've had tuberculosis mm-hmm. though so like i think like coronavirus wow. is going to be nothing you know compared to that <laughs> <laughs> gosh though but, gosh good but it's it's a, wow. yeah it, it was a, it's an interesting one like lung diseases obviously as singers you don't want that sort of thing and i've got no. a friend who's still suffering from long covid a year later and uh, fit and healthy right. person, but he can't even cycle across the park with his daughter to school without his immune system attacking him, thinking he's doing he's being attacked by something. So that's a tricky one. Um, mm. The vaccine is coming. Uh, whether whether it's consumed or not, I don't know at this point. I haven't decided yet. But we're this is we're, this is a stage we're at here. We have to emerge into something. Um, I have a very good feeling about the year. A very good feeling about the emergence. A very good feeling about the creativity that's going to be unleashed upon the earth. You know. Um, for yourselves, you released an album. You didn't really get to tour it, did you? To the extent you'd have liked Very it. Very um, briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Very briefly. We had the Hawkwind tour straight after it was released. So that was yeah. the big tour for it, really. And then we had the our headline tour starting in February um, last year, which we managed to do mm. about six dates, was it? Yeah. And then that was me that put an end to that. So it, it, it was, yeah. I, I got ill when we were in Scotland. We were doing... Mm. What did we do? Edinburgh was the last one we did. And uh, yeah, played a Then you ended up in Glasgow Hospital for oh, two dear. weeks. Wow. Yeah. And then when he came out of there, but when we were when you were in there, because I was staying in the van in the car park, you were in the hospital, yeah. there was lots of buzz about coronavirus and one of the nurses was saying, Oh, it will come and we're like, Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Thinking, you know, it feels so far away. Yeah. It feels like this doesn't happen here. But that, that fortnight that I was in Glasgow Hospital was the transitional mm. two weeks. You know, when I went in, it was just something that people were talking about. Yeah. When I came out two weeks later, it was the thing that everyone was talking about. It was mm. priority number one. Yeah. The whole world had changed in a fortnight. Yeah. Um, and that was the end of everything, really, touring-wise. Yeah. From that, you know. Yeah, it was very, very bizarre, wasn't it? it was yeah, like... I just feel a long time ago now. It's a different life ago, you know. Yeah, it is a different life. And things have changed, you know, and I think obviously things need to change because of environmental concerns. This is a warm-up mm-hmm. for the reality of what's to come. I have no fear of that. Um and I'm ready, you know, I'm ready to live in a field and grow off my own produce if I can find a field. Oh, I know I'd love to I'd love to do that, you know what I mean? I don't like living in brick walls with, with <laughs> neighbours who I don't know. I think you know, the, we need to change things. The very fact that we can't drink our water is, is bizarre. What have we done? It's just, the, the, and, and it's a weird one. You think about it like we use 3% of our brain, right? 
And yeah. I think we use 3% of our recycling capability as well. So there's something tied in there, you know. But anyway, this is we're going off track a little bit there. Of course, coronavirus is here and it has changed things. When you go back on the road, are you going to, well, how's that going to work? Are you going to play a new album? What, where are you at creatively wise? Um, I still think Mesmerento has um, a hold of us in some way, but we're also being invaded by a new album. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a big part of ourselves is even though we're still connected to Mesmeranto and it hasn't been overplayed, mm. whereas by now we would have played these songs. I suppose we have played these songs before we recorded them, but it still feels relatively new. But then, you know, part of us is now moving forwards, isn't it? You know, we've, we've got yeah. very much fixed on this new album that yeah. we've written and still are probably writing because that doesn't stop, does it? Yeah. We've got as far as doing, we've got three tracks down for the new album. Right. And then that's when it all had to come to a halt. And it was a, such a shame because we had so much momentum going in those three songs. They're great. And funny enough, I just listened to them last night. Uh, I've listened to them for a long time. Yeah. And they sound terrific. And I thought, oh, gosh, now, why can't we just carry on with this strength that we've found in this new album? It was going so well. But we'll pick up on it. We'll yeah. pick up on it. Yeah. Next month, hopefully, we're yeah. going to go back into the studio with that. But um, yeah, and I think when we do get going, I think it'll be a combination of song from Mesmeranto and song from the new album. We we always play songs from a new album for a long time before we actually release the album. Right. We we don't kind of hold them back until the album's released and then then do an album tour. You know, mm. it's always um, probably you know forty percent the album that's current, thirty um, percent. The album that's about to come, mm -hmm. uh, and then thirty percent old favourites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you um do you uh, play them live before you produce them? Yeah, always road. Yeah, testing. for a long time usually. Yeah. Yeah, it's been very um, very rare that we've taken a song straight in the studio. We have done it, but it's yeah. Living in the underworld was one of those. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, but that's a rare one. Though. But we have yeah. done it, but. We usually like to, you know, I like to learn how I'm, how it wants to be sung, how it's best to phrase things. Mm. And they, they kind of evolve over that time of playing them live, don't I think, they? I think the live version of everything we do is always going to be the definitive version of that song. I don't think it's ever going to be the album version. Yeah. The album version is going to be the deluxe version of yeah. that song. Yeah. But the, the real version of it is what we do live. Yeah. I think that's how it always feels, doesn't it? It always feels like coming back home to the real song when we play it live that's so healthy that's really healthy to, to be to be in that relationship with the song because it is about mm. the community the communion of that song with an audience as well mm. You're yeah. whole, you are holding space with the idea people are holding yeah. space with you with that idea and they feed off that and that feeds back and you're giving this idea great stature on the in the event in those moments in time I think you're absolutely right because that what we do is always 100% of of what we're doing it's never kind of sorry guys i know the album was the album version was terrific but we're going to do our best to kind of give you a 20 percent version of what yeah. you've got on the album oh no that'd be dreadful yeah. it's a hundred percent of that version yeah. and then the, the album, if you go home and listen to it on the album well that's 150 percent maybe mm. you know well it's just a different kind it's of a different hundred percent ingredients yeah. isn't it you know what we're doing live is much more kind of it is just pure isn't it it's just the pure it is the spring water with nothing there's no color there's nothing added it is just the pure song as it was written and like you said you know this space 
I like the space in the songs and we're not only holding space, we're using the space mm. and, you know, the songs. I don't know, there's something about it being so pure, isn't it? And it's just coming from you it's authentic, to it's, them. It's, it's yeah. the authentic version yeah. of the song, yeah. uh, which we feel comfortable with. Yeah. So is, is this group, Chrissy, then, this is this what you wanted before you met Rick, before you'd started? Is yeah. this in your mind how it should be going? I've no idea where I thought it should be going yeah. then, yeah. but yeah, this is exactly, if somebody said, right, here's, you can have whatever musicians you want, you can have whatever funds you want, yeah. you can create whatever music you want, I would be doing this. That's brilliant. You're successful. And I guess the same for you, Rick. Well, right? <laughs> yes. He's looking at me like he disagrees. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, mean, I didn't know what you wanted when, when, you know, before I knew you. I didn't know what you... Before you knew you, me. You, 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 yeah. But I didn't know what your dream was, you know. I, I didn't really know where you were aiming you. Your life, really. And this is it, though. Happy. This is it. This, the definition of success is doing something that nourishes you and and is what you mm. want to do. You know, if like I always have this thing, like if if a if a plane is going down, I want to go down with a smile on my face. And you can only achieve that if you're truly happy. You know, and uh, I think that's where you're at with your career is a wonderful thing. You know. Yeah, I mean, it is that, isn't it? You know, if you won the lottery, what would you do? Well, I'd be doing the exact same thing, but I'd be by the beach, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and I would not have any money worries, um, but I would be doing the exact mm -hmm. same thing, producing the exact same music with the exact same people. Yeah. You know, and when you just said about happiness, you know, I'm. it's really tricky because I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm an unhappy person, but I do tend towards a melancholy. So yeah. I find it very difficult to actually say I'm happy. Um, but, be, but then when you analyze, no, I don't mean it in a miserable no, way. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a person who spends way too much time in my own head. Yeah. Um, but when, when we actually come down to it and say, wait, that, that question, makes me think gosh i should be happy gosh come on yeah <laughs> what yeah. about you well if i won the lottery would i yeah exactly. yeah i'd mend the dent in my car door would you oh. yeah would you buy me a it's house really bugging me you wouldn't buy a new car i like the i like the fact you wouldn't buy a new car <laughs> his car's so old and it... It, i love my car you know you know what i nearly i nearly bought a new car only not a new car it was 20 years old it's relative new to me and, and, and I, I really nearly bought it and i felt such Guilt at being unfaithful to my old car by by, by replacing her. Uh -huh. So anyway, I'm still with the old car and I'm still with the dent in the door. You really upsets me. Yeah, we it's, need we really need our me. we need our scars. You know, I think I I'm I'm a person who likes to go into the tunnel and sort of mine the tunnel walls to find out what's going on. So like yourself, mm -hmm. I I need to go into the darkness. If I didn't have the darkness, I'd be really scared. You know, I need that, and I I I think I wouldn't want to be cheerful all the time you know i need look, it's, it's it's not i'm I, I i sing about ideas that are like cutting the vein like i'm trying to dig into something that's internal and, and big and i'm not going to just sit there and sing happy songs like i would be sad if i sang happy songs i'm well, i'm happy singing sad fear. songs you know what i mean yeah like life is full of fear yeah anxiety yeah. grief you know it, the, I'm, I'm not trying to be depressing here but the purport, well, maybe the way I feel about life is it's probably 90% uh, containing things like that and 10% happiness. Mm. But 10% is enough. 10% mm. is great. Mm. 
I can't imagine being 100% happy. Mm. I think it'd be really dull. Yeah. Really predictable. There'd be nothing to There'd get be no excited songs about to write. To get, I don't have think... to do anything about, you know, because if you're happy, you don't have to do anything, do you? You, you, know, you just are happy. But if you're unhappy or sad or bereaved or full of grief or full of yeah. worry, then you've got something active to do to try and work that out yeah. and work to the 10%. You know, fight through the ninety percent to get to the ten percent where the sun shines and where where you feel great. Creating music is the ten percent, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and the ninety percent is is the subject matter <laughs> that writes the ten percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and <laughs> but we're ever changing, aren't we? But we're, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let's all get on some Zoloft. But um, <laughs> you know. We're, <laughs> We're ever-changing, aren't we? Yeah. You know, sometimes happiness can be very fleeting. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think we do know that if we do tend to a certain thing. But like you said, you know, I probably, you know, if my mind is a garden, I am probably tending to the flowers that grow in the darkness yeah. <laughs> rather than, you know, um, mining that, using it. I think I probably use... I know you looked at me as though I'm really weird then, but I, what I mean is I use that um, melancholy as soil to grow things in. Yeah, yeah, that's a lovely way of putting that. I totally agree with that. Um, mm. I, I think I think it's a, it's happiness is, as you say, fleeting. Um, we have the ability to be happy whenever we choose to be, really. You mm. know, even if things are going really badly, you can stand mm. out in the sun and you can absorb the sun. I think one of the things we have done as human beings is forgotten how to absorb <sighs> the sun and also to realize that there is only this moment. That's it. Uh, mm. You know, yeah. and, and I think, so therefore, in going into the darkness in the tunnels and trying to figure out what the tunnel walls are made of, when I do <laughs> go outside and stand in the sun, I'll know what's inside the tunnel it's like yeah you know you know you can fix things with pills but actually it's better to find out what causes the problem in the first place so that's why i write sad music oh, <laughs> yeah definitely and, and and like what you're saying there you know you come out of the tunnel and then you're bringing the things out into the light aren't you yeah you're bringing them with you so that you can actually yeah. like when we write songs i quite often learn something about myself so it's usually like, oh right okay this is what that well, was yeah, it's a, yeah it's, a, this... it's a job and that's a, the good songs for me as well are the ones that maybe months later you understand why you wrote it in the first place <laughs> i love yeah, that you've often said that mm, yeah. they're like fortune tellers aren't they yeah jeez <laughs> not fortune tellers but yeah they, they know yeah the prophets they yeah. are prophets yeah they're absolutely they don't make us any profit but they are prophets <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need to rechange the, yeah we need to change the spelling of that don't we yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I try to do both i try to do some music that makes a bit of money and, I, and then i hopefully that enables me to be free to do the music i need to make you know mm. but yeah so so like be, before i leave you go what's what's the rest of the year got in store for you then Oh gosh. Um Well, hopefully getting back into the new album pretty soon. That's gonna be yeah. we're gonna be back in the studio next within, within month. month, hopefully. Yeah. And we're probably gonna go berserk on that album now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and and just, you know, get I, I think the next three months is gonna be album time. Yeah. And hopefully uh we've got a lot of dates in September ish time, yeah. September, October. Um, I'm hoping those are going to be doable. And those Where are, going are you going on this, on this tour? Oh, ev everywhere. There's loads of them everywhere. In just the, UK. In the UK. Oh, just, yeah. just this country, yeah. 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 Um, I think it, they're all in England, actually. I don't think. Yeah. Do we have any in Scotland and Wales? 
Uh, we do have a few gigs that we need to change that couldn't happen last time like Glasgow and and things like that but I think we have to like you said we're getting into the new album we're still writing um but I think we also have to remain flexible that actually Mm. anything can happen at this point yeah yeah and I mean I've been trying to set up I'm currently in a place called Woodbridge in Suffolk and uh, we we used to live in London then we moved to Brighton and then we're now here and uh, there's a church here which is where I recorded that song Mm. and I'm trying to set up a scenario where we can put gigs on and then if when coronavirus comes back uh, Mm -hmm. which it probably will do it's still possible to play the gig you know, film it and then live stream it later. That's the ultimate thing mm. to be as malleable. Mm. But if, if you're on tour, it would be lovely to put on a show here for you. And I'd be like, I'd love to see you playing. We've done quite a lot in, in, in Suffolk, haven't we? And Sudbury, the Keith Theatre in Sudbury and nice. Halesworth, the mm. Cup Arts Centre. Oh, you played there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But we would love to. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I think it's a great part of the country, Norfolk and Suffolk. I've, you know, yeah. it, until being in the band, it was part of the country. I didn't even... Mm have any experience of it it's really beautiful though. yeah 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 no i'll come and i'll come and see you play as well it's uh it's very nice to meet members of the wardlaw family total pleasure yes lovely <laughs> to meet you. and you're going to give me a live performance of a song to uh tack on to the end of this right yes we, we are. are we are brilliant here we are at the end of the conversation and here is a live performance of uh, the black heart orchestra a new track called under the headlights that they've very kindly sent me um I, I'm going to wrap it up here and just say that I've really, really enjoyed talking to them and I hope you have enjoyed listening to them. Please go and check out their amazing music and uh, go and see them. If you want to be taken somewhere very special, go and see them. Uh, as you can tell, they're wonderfully lovely people and I look forward to hanging out with them very, very soon. Um, so for now, thanks for tapping the flow and here is a live track from the Black Heart Orchestra called Under the Headlights. <laughs> Thank you.